ladies, gentlemen, boys, girls, goofballs, and scumbags. Y'all know what time it is? Whether you are preparing for the International Cups that are coming on in the coming days, or whether you don't care, whether you are Chad Ochocinco, who just got knocked up <laughs> out, we are the Football Misfits. This is episode 44. I am your host, LV, a.k.a. Paper Fronto, a.k.a. Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, a.k.a. Buck Nasty. And I am sitting here, of course, with, I hope y'all know by now, but if y'all don't, the one, the only, Mr. Misfits himself, Ronnie. Ronnie, say it was good for the one time. Let's just hop out the four door. With the fourth floor, it goes one, two, three, and four. Chilling at the corridor. This is episode 44. In case you didn't know, Man's not hot. I mean, I am not, because it's hot as fuck in New York. What's going on, everybody? First of all, big bars. Second of all, <laughs> fucking facts. Uh, third, third of all, it wouldn't be a Footy Misfits podcast without the one, the only. Y'all know him as Spencer. Ooh, the segue is amazing. <laughs> there we go. Spencer, how you doing, fam? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Peace and love. Hope everybody's doing all right. Everybody's doing okay. Hey man, Honduras just won third place at the CONCACAF Nations League, so I'm doing all right. Ronnie feeling good, and guess what? Uh, I'm Honduras by way of Ronnie, so we are doing all right. You feel me? Ah, <laughs> 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 uh, let's go. Let's go. If you guys hey. didn't know, that's my game of the week right there. <laughs> <laughs> Getting right to it. Speaking of transitions, Ronnie. Listen, the season's done, but we don't care. We got games aplenty. This is the international break, the ones that folks like myself who be hating on the international break have been waiting for. The major competitions are coming there. They're almost here. They're almost upon us. We do have a few of them, as you just mentioned before, with Honduras. Uh, so game of the week, uh, matches of the week, if you will. You like to start that way? You want to go ahead first? As I just mentioned, Honduras won third place at the CONCACAF Nations League. For us little nations, the CONCACAF Nations League is a big deal, even though it's just a glorified friendly tournament. But before we got there, um, Honduras played the U.S. in the semifinal. Honduras lost in, like, the final minute of the game. Now, throughout the whole game, Honduras made U.S.A. work. They suffered, the U.S. did, for that win right there. Honduras... Gave it to the U.S. on man-to-man play. Albert Ellis and John Brooks went head-to-head damn near every minute. Choco Lozano, Anthony Lozano of Cariz. He missed a perfect opportunity when it was just him and the goalkeeper, Zach Stetson. That had me a little bit heated. But all in all, Honduras played the, a great game. One of the better games I've seen Honduras play in a while. And in that time, they beat Chile in Honduras. But third place game, Honduras played Costa Rica in a big rivalry game in Central America. Penalties came, and we got the job done, Honduras did. But there was one penalty where homeboy Jorge Benguche strikes the penalty. The keeper saves it with his feet. And the ball trickles in. The goalkeeper's face on that was like, what the fuck? Like, it defied the laws of physics. Mm. Yeah, don't you hate when gravity doesn't go your way? Hey, man, it did not go Costa Rica's way then. It didn't matter, though, because Honduras ended up missing an ensuing penalty. But at the end of the day, Honduras, Costa Rica rather, missed a second penalty. 
and Honduras ended up winning the game on penalties. 5-4 is the result there. Woo! But that was one of my favorite games of the week. The other one I'm going to Holland, where the Netherlands and Scotland played. So Scotland scored early to go up on the Dutch. I thought that was a bit of a surprise right there in it. But Memphis Depay came back like five minutes later to level the scoring. Stays that way throughout the first half. Second half, Kevin Nesbitt scores in the 63rd minute. Scotland go up 2-1 on the Dutch. But they leave it late, the Netherlands do. Memphis Depay again. Screamer just before full time. Match ends 2-2 as the two teams get ready for Euro 2020. And we'll talk about them a lot more on this episode. But before we do, LV, let me hear your game of the week. Okay, uh, before I give my game of the week, I will start by saying in the lead up to Euro 2020, with these friendlies, there was, for me, a lot of not game of the weeks. Uh, it was some garbage ball being played. A lot of, uh, I would say, reserve squads, if you will. And even without the reserve squad, it was just some overall boring stuff to watch for the most part. Uh, just to name a few, Spain versus Portugal. Stinker. Both. I saw two England matches versus Austria and then again versus Romania. Stinkers. The Romania game now, was better, but boo. Now that being said, one of my games of the weeks was actually a stinker for the most part, but it did have some interesting moments and then towards the end did get a little bit more entertaining. This one goes all the way out east of Europe in the land of Vladimir Putin. Russia versus Bulgaria in uh, the Iron Curtain Derby. And um, from what I saw for the most part, Russia did not look prepared for the upcoming tourney at all, but that's okay. I think uh, the main thing about this match was that I saw a player who I thought was long gone and retired probably worked for the Kremlin at this point. Yuri Zhirkov. My boy Yuri Zhirkov, who you may have seen playing for either Chelsea, maybe Zenit or CSKA. My boy's still on there and was trying to get his third ever goal for the international team. And he almost did at one point, late on in the match. Uh, was thwarted by the goalkeeper, is what it is. And he was subbed off shortly after before the match's opening goal. Game went ahead there and finished 1-0 courtesy of a penalty, which was converted by the exact person who was subbed on for Yuri Zhirkov, Alexander Sobolev. And that was all she wrote there. Russia won, Bulgaria nil. <laughs> mostly, mostly a stinker, but you saw your, you know, see Yuri Zhirkov. I don't know. Anywho, uh, my next match of the week, which actually a pretty entertaining one, Belgium played Croatia, and notably their main man, the reigning PFA Player of the Year, KDB, was unavailable due to an injury that we all saw during the Champions League final. That being said, many notable names did appear on Roberto Martinez's Belgium squad, notably Romelu Lukaku, the main man who's been getting it done for Inter Milan. There were some old names, uh, some of them associated with Tottenham Hotspur. We did see Jan Vertonghen, Nate Nasser Chadley was around. Luka Modric did star for Croatia. And this game was open from the very first minute. Croatia um, holding it down in the midfield. Uh, Ivan Perisic also off on the wing, getting into threatening positions. But it would be Belgium who drew blood first, courtesy of their main man at the moment, Romelu Lukaku, getting a goal in just before the end of the first half. And Belgium would be the only side to draw blood, as Croatia couldn't find the back of the net, although they did get close many a time. Over the course of 90 minutes, the game finishes again. One nil to 
to Belgium as we look forward to the Euro beginning on June 11th, just five days away, Ronnie. Yes, sir. LV Euro 2020 plus one is just a matter of days away. And the opening match is on Friday, June 11th between Turkey and Italy from Stadio Olimpico di Roma. Now, we're going to break down this Euro competition, Euro 2020 for you group by group, and we'll give you guys our winners and all that. But before we do, LV, I have to start off with a sentimental question. Your favorite Euro memory? Many moments for me throughout the years. I'll try to narrow it down to just two and keep it brief here. Uh, first things first, I will say Euro 2012 in the, the era of the Spanish tiki-taka dominance where Spain was cooking everybody and their mama without a striker, I, I should add. <laughs> Damn near playing with eight midfielders in there and just just passing the ball into the net at that point. But um, in that tournament, there was a memorable game there in the knockout stages, Italy versus Germany in the uh, semifinal. And notably, of course, Mario Balotelli, who was the main striker up top for Italy at that tournament, him and Antonio Di Natale, who was looking like an old gym teacher, but that's neither here nor there. Balotelli, as controversial as he was, started in the first match versus Spain was subbed off and Di Natale scored a goal. Uh, gets, a, gets a start in the next match, scores a header and cusses out the ref. Um, and then as the knockout stages begin, plays against Germany who was entering in their, their powerhouse stage and were all but favorites over Italy. But Balotelli had some other plans and literally tore them apart, courtesy of a few balls from uh, Andrea Pirlo, uh, as well as uh, Ricardo Montolivo and notably finishing in that final goal he scored for his brace, where he caught a long through ball, set it down, was one-on-one with Manuel Neuer, and rocketed past him to finish the game 2-0. Italy win (laughs) 2-0 and end up getting destroyed in the final by the Spanish midfield team we talked about with eight midfielders. You didn't know that. (laughs) Uh, That's one. Ronnie, you can go ahead and give give yours if you want. All right, so both of mine are going to come in Euro 2008. The first one comes in the group stage. Germany, they're playing against the hosts, Austria, in Vienna. The only goal scored in that game was a fucking rocket from Michael Balak from way out the box on a set piece. I saw Alexi Lalas is shaking. <laughs> Alexi Lalas is up. Um, but before, uh, before Michael Balak was sunning Alexi Lalas, he was doing the damn thing for Germany. It sucks that he never won a major tournament for them, but that rock, I'm like, ooh, I remember that goal just going back of the net, no fucks given, courtesy die from the Austrian keeper. And it was Austria's first ever Euros in Austria. So Germany won the game one nothing. They finished second in the group, however, to Croatia. But that didn't deter them. They made it to the final. And this is where my second memory of the European Championships come. In the final, it's Germany against the powerhouse LV was talking about Spain. This was at the start of their success. Fernando Torres, the man scored the goal to pretty much give Spain their first ever European Championship since the 60s and started their magical run. I remember the goal as if it were yesterday. Fernando Torres finessing a couple of defenders. I was just in awe. Those Spanish teams were great. You had Torres, you had Puyol, Cap de Vela. <laughs> what a name drop there. But my memory of the tournament, Euro 2008, 
Um, LV, you want to give your second one? So my second one, also in that same tournament, also features Germany in the semifinal, however, versus Turkey. And this was an incredible match from the jump. Uh, it was goal scored left, right, and center. It, it began with Ugo um, Boral scoring after 22 minutes, and then the German blonde-haired, blue-eyed man himself, Bastian Schweinsteiger, equalizing just after. So it's 1-1 at this point, early in the match. Miroslav Klose, the German World Cup leading scorer, scores late on, 79 minutes. Goat. Then Turkey's semi-center levels it, 2-2. Philip Lahm scores the match winner late on, leaves it as late as possible to get to the final, only to lose, as Ronnie mentioned, to Spain. Neither here nor there. But the main thing about that match is anywhere and everywhere that you were watching that match, if you weren't watching in the stadium, your TV feed at some point in the 58th minute cuts off. And <laughs> nobody has any idea what's going on in that stadium, in that arena. Meanwhile, as the match is at that point, one, a 1-1 one match, the feed is gone. And coming in and coming out and coming in and then coming back out. So finally, as folks find, get their feeds back on and can see what's happening, uh, Philip Lahm in the 89th minute picks up the ball from deep, little one-two, and then shoots it into the roof. Now, if you're a Tur if you're a fan of Turkey or you were siding with Turkey or you had money on Turkey at that point, man, you gotta hate to see it. That's the first thing you see as your TV comes back on is Philip Lahm scoring a goal uh, <laughs> like that that late. But just the, the the craziness of that match there, the 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 goal scored a five-goal thriller, cameras shutting off. This, that, and the third. Apparently, there was, a, there was a thunderstorm of some sort at the arena, uh, and Germany won it and went to the final. So that's my second favorite memory at the moment. Hey, man, I had forgot about that incident until you brought it up. I'm like, and it was funny because ESPN has that game in their archives, and we saw, and I saw it. I'm like, they really were like, went back to the studio, like, yeah, um, there's a problem in Basel. We all know about <laughs> that. Um, we'll come back later. Um, they were pulling out the time. But Euro 2008, I, I remember vaguely Euro 04, specifically Greece pulling off the upset of all upsets. But Euro 08 was the first one I remember vividly. So much so, Enrique Iglesias had the song of the tournament. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I forgot what the song was called, but um, it was definitely Enrique Iglesias. But yeah. Um, oh, can you hear me? I can hear you, but um, yes. <laughs> well, uh, what the song was called. <laughs> also, in regards to uh, yeah, Euro 08, I just remember that like the, the logo that they had for it, I just thought it was super cool. I don't know what, it, what, what about it that I liked. I think it was trying to like make a like a depiction of like the Swiss Alps or something like that. But it was just cool. I yeah. it, was, it all looked nice, you know, nostalgic, you know what I mean? But if we're talking about favorite logos, 2012 was my favorite, those two flowers and the Polish and Ukrainian colors. Uh hey. Um, with that, I guess we could just jump right into the Euros. Woohoo! Let's just jump right into group A, brother L V. Turkey, Italy, Wales, and Switzerland. The games would be in Rome and Baku. Woohoo, Baku Azerbaijan. Back when uh Spurs made it to the Champions League final and I was cooking Arsenal and Chelsea fans <laughs> playing in a country with civil unrest. But that's neither here nor there. Um, yeah, qu quite the group there. Well, I'll say first things first, I'm picking Wales to come out of that group. I'm not going to say they're going to be on top of the group, but I got Wales and then I'm going to go with the young boys over at Italy. They have a decent squad there, Roberto Mancini. 
over there is coaching, although allegedly hasn't been going very well for them. But they have a lot of young talent, and I mean, they might, they might be able to do some damage. Um, although yes. I doubt it. But they do have some talent there. Hey, let's take a look at some of the talent that they have. Let's talk. Let's talk about up top. They have Andrea Bellotti of Torino. Torino had a shit yep. season, but Andrea Bellotti was their bright spot. You can never discount Lorenzo Insigne leading the lines at Napoli. He's a leader here for the national team, even though Giorgio Chiellini is captain. Domenico Berardi of Sassuolo. We were talking about Sassuolo earlier this season in Serie A, how they were doing pretty well. Absolutely. Sassuolo was making some noise in Serie A, sort of how Atalanta was last season. They could have almost finished in the Europa Conference League, but they lost out to Roma. But that right. goes to show you that they had a great season, Sassuolo did. Absolutely. Yeah, you could call it, an over, they overachieved for sure. And, I mean, at one point, they were literally competing, uh, you know, fighting AC Milan to be at the top of the table, uh, you know, steadily in second place before slowly kind of settling down. But ultimately, like you said, a really great season for them. And then also on top, you have Chiri Mobile. Chiri Mobile, a.k.a. whenever we uh, pick a team to beat Lazio, he scores a brace. <laughs> Let's go over to the midfield now. Federico Chiesa. Your main Ronaldo, man. Ronaldo aside, best player for Juventus in my eyes. Yeah, I mean, you can just go back to a couple episodes of this of this podcast and, you know, there's no telling how many times and times again where he's came up big for Juventus and you can hear it in Ronnie's voice. A main part in Inter's success this year was Nicolo Barrella. Yep, Nicolo Barrella. A Serie A Cup winner now under Antonio Conte. Stefano Sensi also in the midfield. Marco Verratti of PSG, Lorenzo Pellegrini of Roma. You can even throw in Jorginho in there. Let's go to the back, where this might be Italy's flaw, especially because we saw how Juve were playing this season. Chiellini, Bonucci. Um, they do have Emerson, Leonardo Spinazzola, and Giovanni Di Lorenzo. But I feel like that might be where Italy kind of messes up a bit. They'll yeah. have a little bit of struggles out in the back. Yeah, I think Italian squad, they're pretty good. I think they could, they could, you know, turn some heads. Yeah, I think a, a big part of their success is going to lie on whether or not Marco Verretti's uh, fully fit to play. And I mean, I know he was he was called up. He did receive a bit of an injury and was out early in May. And so we'll see if he's 100% because he is the main man in that midfield as he does for PSG. Hopefully, you know, he can be the glue that sticks that team around and for them to be successful. But uh, if he's not fully fit, they'll, they'll have some trouble getting getting through in a, in a pretty competitive group. Turkey is what makes the group really competitive. Yes, Switzerland are a strong side as well. We're speaking of Serie A, Remo Foyla of Atalanta, Ricardo Rodriguez also of Torino, Granit Xhaka captaining the Swiss. You also have Kieran Shaqiri. But if any team in this group is going to, you know, upset the apple cart, Turkey. Yep, uh, the, the team led by Burak Yilmaz, who just... Won himself a league on title. That's what I'm saying. And apart from him, Turkey does have a lot of recognizable faces on their squad. A lot of these faces are pretty good. They have Sayunchu and Under, both of Leicester City. They have Demiral of Juve, Hakan Chalanoglu, just to name a few. And of course, they have some local talents from Galatasaray and Super League winning Besiktas. It feels like every other major tournament, whether it be the 2002 World Cup or the 08 Euros, Turkey 
is some is in the mix to make it far in the tournament. I'm not suggesting that Turkey's going to make it that far in the Euros, but Turkey, like I said, they have a chance to upset the apple cart. They could even make a quarterfinal, depending on round of 16 pairings and stuff. Yeah, and that's the magic of the Euros. You always see somebody make it far who you don't necessarily expect to make it far. Now, the big question is always, can they upset the big giants in the match that it matters most? Obviously, we talked about Euros 08, you know, Turkey making their darling run and then losing ultimately to the big boys. Uh, we talked about Greece in 04, making it all the way. So, you know, who knows? But this is the tournament where usually things like that happen, just not for England, unfortunately. <laughs> we'll get to them. But with the, with the added caveat that the four best third-place teams advance out of the group stage, Turkey could be one of those best third-place teams. I, I have my money on Italy winning the group. Um, I'm going to throw in Turkey as runners-up with Wales coming in third. Switzerland are going to be missing out. Mm, okay. Yeah, not a, not a bad pick. I'm probably going to go Italy 1, Wales 2, Turkey 3, Switzerland go 4. Again, Turkey and Italy open up the Euros on Friday. Let's go on to Group B, taking place in Copenhagen and St. Petersburg. Denmark, Finland, Belgium, and the Russian Federation off rip the second day of the tournament sees Belgium take on Russia. That's going to be quite appetizing. I hope so. Uh, after what I saw, how I saw Russia play versus Bulgaria, it might look very ugly for those boys, especially if Belgium is on point like they look to be today versus Croatia. But yeah, I agree. Uh, this group seems to be more quiet, a bit more quiet. I think you and I can agree on who's going to be the top dog out of this group. Now, I think the main question is who gets who crashes out? Finland are in their debut tournament. Honestly, they might be the team that will finish rock bottom of the group. Mm. But now, they're going to provide us memories. That's what I'll say. Let's hope so. Now, do you think it's going to be good memories or will it be bad memories like North Korea at the 2010 World Cup losing uh, 7-1 to Portugal? Which, which way do you see this going in terms of memories for Finland? Memories because that this would be their first ever Euro. Fair. But... Finland, going into this, lost their last three international friendlies, Switzerland, Sweden, and more recently, this past Friday, against Estonia. I don't. I see them getting goals. I don't see them making it out of the group. Um, I, it, would even, it wouldn't be nice to see them group with a point, even. I don't know if that'll happen. But in the top of the group, Belgium... Like you said, we agree, hands down, they will make it through. And it's going to be a battle between Denmark and Russia to make it out in second. But I think the Danes will edge the Russians. Fair, yeah. And I agree with you. I think Denmark's actually a pretty good side. Very strong players in there, in the midfield especially. We know um, Christian Eriksen's in there, still playing good as ever. Pierre-Emile Hoybier, you know, my boy. Uh, is also in there, but yeah, pretty strong team. Um, I wouldn't be surprised. Well, actually, I would be surprised if they finished first because Belgium was going to finish first. Now, uh, yeah, I got Denmark definitely finishing in second. I would love to see Finland go third, but uh, yeah, I think I can agree with you uh, on how that one will shape up. Will KDB missing the Russia game? have any impact on this Belgian side. I feel like, with all due respect, they're not going to miss him. 
Yeah, no, I, I think um, they still look pretty lively today versus Croatia. I understand it's a friendly match, but they've got just uh, so much firepower on that on that team. I don't think it'll have any effect on them against Russia, especially. They coast through this group. They may have slight struggles throughout matches specifically, but I think they coast coast through this group uh, in time for K uh, KDB to get back whenever he does get back from that uh, UFC looking eye injury he's got. Belgium, yeah, there's no question they're gonna make it out the group. And again, we we pretty much agree on how this group set um shapes up. So, shouts to us for agreement. Hey. Group, group C will feature an. Oh, another debutante, North Macedonia. They are paired with Austria, Ukraine, and Netherlands. Netherlands are playing their games in Amsterdam. The other location in the group is Bucharest, Romania. Big shout out to North Macedonia. I think unlike Finland, they have been playing very well. We, we obviously remember them beating Germany not too long ago in a World Cup qualifier. Yes, sir. The fighting Goran Pandevs. Big, big man Goran Pandev still getting his thing done. Mr. Player Coach. Uh, so, I mean, they, they I wouldn't say ran through their European uh, Championship qualifiers, but they played really, really well against the competition teams like, you know, Kosovo and things like that. But, um, you know, they did play Austria uh, a handful of times and got smoked, and neither here nor there. But they look like some debutantes that look like they mean business. Now, will it be enough business for them to make it through the group run? Um... Okay, so this group I feel like can go many a ways. I would say fuck around, sure. But if they do take points from anyone in this group, it would probably be Austria. Yes, Austria have the likes of David Alaba and Marcel Sabitzer. But I feel like they could settle for a point with Austria. Anything can happen. The way the Netherlands are set up, as much as, like I said, I enjoy seeing Wout Weghorst on the team. As much as I enjoy seeing my boy Matthias De Ligt in the defense, they're holding it down without Virgil van Dijk. When you go towards the midfield, you see the likes of Frankie de Jong. Donny van der Beek will finally get minutes, not at Man U, but here at the European Championship. And then Luke de Jong, Memphis Depay on top. The one thing that will fuck the Netherlands up is Frank de Boer. Frank De Boer is ass. <laughs> oh man! After his Ajax, he went to Inter, stunk that up. Crystal Palace stunk that up. Atlanta United here in MLS. Yes, you might have accomplished something here in MLS, winning the U.S. Open Cup, but still, they didn't even want you because you fucked up with their. Latin American system set by Tata Martino. And he's now in charge of the Netherlands. Who do you think is the key player, I guess, that has, that must play well for them in order for them to to get over the Frank de Boer hump? Because as you mentioned, Ronnie, that that man is a walking loser. <laughs> <laughs> he, he got bounced from the Crystal Palace job, I think, in two months. That shit is crazy. I don't think he made it 10 matches. <laughs> Everyone on the Dutch team has to play a part. Um, in the back, like I said, we have De Ligt, you have Nathan Ake, Stefan de Vrij of Inter Milan, and then you have Genie Wijnaldum captaining the midfield. You also have Martin Derun of Atalanta, as well as Frankie de Jong, Donny van de Beek. They all have to find a way to buy into Frank de Boer's ideology, as fucked up as that is. <laughs> I hope it's not the losing one. 
I don't know, but they were playing with back fives, and no one likes that shit. <laughs> uh, don't so, tell Thomas Tuchel that. <laughs> hey, he knows how to pull it off. Frank DeBoer? No. But, like I said, if, if there's one driving force to mess up the Netherlands, it will be Frank DeBoer. Ukraine. Ruslan Malinovsky of Atalanta. Andriy Yamalenko of West Ham. Alex Zinchenko of Man City, and then I don't know anybody else. Unless they have some Brazilian naturalized Ukrainian from Shakhtar. <laughs> from Shakhtar. Uh, Which from they Shakhtar. do. Madlos, born wow. in Brazil, plays for the Ukraine. But no. Um, That's hilarious. Well, the, the Netherlands makes it up the group as group winners, despite everything I said. Coming out in second, I think it will be the Ukraine, Austria, and North Macedonia in that order. Okay. We spent a lot of time on Frank DeBoer's bum ass. No, we sure did because it really, really, really got emphasized. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I'm going Netherlands, Austria, North Macedonia, Ukraine. Ooh, Ukraine's finishing last. Who does um, who does Ukraine trip up besides the Netherlands? Uh, so they, I think they lose to the Netherlands. They'll lose to Austria. And then wow. I think I'm going to go ahead and say they lose to North Macedonia as well. Might draw them in the last match, but it won't be enough. Andrei Shevchenko gets a sack if that happens. Poor Shevchenko. Got to ride with at least one underdog. I got Finland going to hell. North Macedonia got some pep in their step. So let's see if the fighting Goran Pandas, as, as you call it, can uh, get, some, get some fight on. Let's see if they make it out of the group in your format because, again, best for third place teams make it out now it's time for group d the group of alleged champions even though no one in the group won the european championship and that group is headlined by england croatia scotland and the czech republic matches are going to be split between london and glasgow oh we talk about england team full of injuries we talked about notable uh squad lists as well they they always seem to be marred in you know, media controversy. Uh, a lot of this, that, and the third. Notably, this time around, the the the, the mystery around Trent Alexander Arnold, whether or not he'd be playing. Ultimately, he was called up to the squad, and then now he's injured and set to miss the squad. So England, of course, let the media tell it will have a chance, and let themselves tell it maybe, maybe not. They do have a pretty decent team. There are some players there that do need some shout-outs, I will agree. Uh, one of them being Leeds United man Calvin Phillips getting his first call-up ever, number 14 on the shirt. Whether he'll get some time to play or not, that'll be yet to be seen. Um, probably one of the only guys on that team that can take proper set pieces, I guess. <laughs> you never see an English player that can take good free kicks. You just never see it. So big shouts out to uh, Calvin Phillips there. Obviously, we've got some notable exemptions from the team. Jesse Lingard, who had a hell of a season, second half of the season over at uh, West Ham United. But yeah, England, you got to always expect them to get out the group at the very least. And even that, they will make a mess of. This group does seem to be in their favor slightly, although Scotland will have something to say about that. Czech Republic will have something to say about that. And we know Croatia, who knocked them out of the World Cup semifinal, will definitely have something to say about that. Um, all that being aside, Gareth Southgate's men, I think, will finish second, at least in this group. Uh, Croatia on the top side. But I don't know, I'm hoping for Scotland to do some damage. If they can score more than 
one or two goals in a match. They'd be struggling and have been struggling uh, in terms of the goal department uh, as of late. So a lot to be said there. Marcus Rashford looks to be healthy or injured. Who knows? Gareth Southgate doesn't know, it seems. I don't know either, but they've got some firepower. They've got, you know, the big boy, Jaden Sancho, Phil Foden, Champions League loser, Mason Mount, Champions League winner. Uh, so a lot of talent there. <laughs> I think one main thing, Ronnie, and this is where I'll leave it with England, your main concern, I think, should be in the back there. Harry Maguire is currently injured. Um, and even if he weren't injured, um, their selection, which includes Tyrone Mings, Connor Cody, goodness gracious, um, <laughs> uh, amongst others, I think their center back pairings will be the most important thing. Obviously, John Stones had the season that he had with Man City. However, if you remember in the Nations League and or recent friendlies, when he puts the English shirt on, he goes back to John Stones of old. Um, so, yeah, that's, I think, where their main concern will be. When, when you have to choose between Eric Dyer and Connor Cody as people you call up to the side, woo-wee, are you in for a rough ride? But that being said, they're loaded in the fullback position. Notably enough that Trent Alexander-Arnold's name was called into question. So you can take that for what it is. I think England, ultimately, with all the hate aside, all the love aside, have a pretty decent squad. They finished second behind Croatia in the group with Scotland finishing Third, Czech Republic, sorry. Okay, okay. You see, now I'm on the other side of the spectrum for this one. Um, so I, I said all that for England because I'm tired of listening about England. With all due respect, there's 23 other teams in this tournament, but yet somehow the tournament revolves around them. I will say this, though. I find it bullshit that you have – your 26-man roster set, your 26-man squad set. And in these friendlies against Austria and Romania, you're still playing guys you left off the squad when you should be playing your best 11. And, yeah, some of your best 11 might not be available because they just finished playing in the Champions League or, in the case of Maguire, he's hurt, which, by the way, if he's really hurt, does he even get playing time? Do you realistically see him playing this European Championships? And if so, how many games? So I don't know. Um, is yep, that's the question. And uh, the, and even with that being said, who do you put there? Even if he is healthy, you got a problem. Connor Cody. That's all I'm gonna say about that. This, I'm not gonna go off on Gareth Southgate like I did Frank DeBoer, but he's gonna be called into question, especially if England somehow draw a game they're not supposed to. Let's say the opener against Croatia in Wembley, and then the game against Scotland, their rivals. We'll see. But that being said, okay, boom. Um, England win the group. I'm not convinced about Croatia. Since losing the World Cup final, Croatia's lost 12 times. Yeah, and they've looked sluggish. You're 100% right, Ronnie. 100% right. Like, their wins have come few and far between. They upset Spain in the Nations League after the World Cup. They got some friendly wins and wins against lesser opposition in World Cup qualifiers and European qualifiers. They lost today, as we just mentioned, to Belgium. Some of the losses have been ass whoopings too. Croatia finished in third behind Scotland and wow. the Republic, they threw themselves out. 
whether or not Croatia gets out the group depends on who else around the competition does their part. Wow, but, Steve Steve Clark's men will be happy to hear that from you. Um, interesting. Yeah, man, I just I'm not convinced by Croatia at this point anymore. But what I am, I'm not even convinced about Spain. Their headlining group E with Sweden, Poland, and Slovakia. These games are going to be in Sevilla and St. Petersburg. Originally, Bilbao and Dublin, but because of COVID, those switched up. Yeah, so this group can be a complete toss-up. Uh, I got to say, uh, well, first things first, I, I we, we talked about Spain squads and Sergio Ramos left up. Coincidence, maybe, that Luis Enrique, former Barcelona manager, is the manager of Spain. No. Leaves out a Madrid guy. Okay, I'm just saying. I just thought I'd throw that. No, I mean, well, Ramos, this calendar hasn't been 100%. He's only played like, I saw the stat, he only played like four games all 2021. Yeah, I agree. Missed a, missed a bunch of uh, Champions League fixtures. Came back, I think, maybe even too soon um, versus Chelsea and sort of showed when they got cooked. Neither here nor there. But, yeah, this group I think is a toss-up. I do like the young Spanish squad. Obviously, I know uh, you uh, like speak highly of Danny Olmo. They got some young boys. Ferran Torres looks good there. They got some Europa League winners in Gerard Moreno and Pau Torres. Marcus Llorente looks good. Decent squad. Um, I like the way they, they look. Yeah, a lot of young talent coming and showing through. And they only have 24 guys on their yeah. um, squad. Yeah, also notable. They have less. Yeah, 24 men. least you can trim in the fat, I guess, if you will. Usually it's only a 23-man squad, but because of the pandemic, they extended it to 26. Some teams are taking advantage of it. Some aren't, you know, extending it by much. Um, one key factor for Spain is Alvaro Morata. Oof. I guess it depends on how he plays. Uh, if he plays watched... anything like he did against Portugal, missing the goal, hitting the post the way he did in the waning moment of the game, it's going to be a problem. I hope it's Alvaro Morata who helped out Juve when they needed him this season. I hope. Yep, Alvaro Morata, a.k.a. the striker that never was. So much potential there and coming up short time and time again. But then somehow shows you some sort of worth. Um, but, yeah, we'll see what, what happens there. Let's talk quickly about Poland. Yep. Led by Robert Lewandowski. Of course, he just broke Gerd Müller's record at Bayern Munich and club level. Pretty interesting talent. Lucas Fabianski of West Ham is on the squad, as is Juve goalkeeper Szczesny, Wi-Fi. Andrus Milik, he's currently at Marseille. Jan Benarek of Southampton on this squad as well. Poland's chances is tournament. Not very high, in my opinion. Uh, they, have, they also do have Matthias Klitsch, who's pretty good. I mean, we know Lewandowski, what he's capable of, breaking Gerd record, as you mentioned, of course. Uh, he's going to get goals regardless. The team doesn't look as strong as it could to me. I don't think the chances are very high. I think that they can make it out of this group, which, like I said, is an absolute toss-up. But it, it all depends on how whether Szczesny and, uh, or, and or Fabianski can keep out some goals. We did see them play Russia early at the beginning of this week and finished 1-1. Now, obviously, notable players were left out of that squad or on the bench, Lewandowski included, but neither here nor there. I think their defense is the most important thing for Poland. We know Jan, Bed Jan Bednarek can be decent enough oh, and has been shown it at Southampton. 
Long story short, not very high, Ronnie, in my opinion. If we quickly look at Slovakia, Andrzej Duda, who just helped Khan stay alive in the Bundesliga. Um, you also have Milan Skriniar of Inter Milan, pretty much their best player on the team. And let's not forget the GOAT of the team, Marek Hamsik. Marek Hamsik, the whew, incredible midfielder. You remember him with his shaved head, no goatee, no beard, but now he's rocking the old man goatee and beard. Through and through legend uh, across Europe, for Napoli especially, and obviously for Slovakia. Do a little quick shout-outs to that man. And lastly, we also have Sweden in this group, a team who I feel can be one of the three best third-place teams. A lot of recognizable names. Just beginning in the defense, you have Victor Lindelof. Oof. <laughs> Amen. Take, take, takes good penalties, right? <laughs> uh, Amen. You have Robert Kwaizong of Mainz who became the team's top scorer, Alexander Isak of Real Sociedad, who I always thought was Spanish. But I found out long time ago he was actually Swedish. Pretty good. Um, Emil Forsberg, RB Leipzig. And you also have Dejan Kulusevski. My Your boy. Yep. I take back what I said about them finishing third. I see them finishing second behind Spain, Poland finishes in third, but they still make it up the group. Yeah, it seems like this group may be one of those where you can at least finish third but gain gain some points and uh, maybe be one of the four best third-place teams to enter the knockout phase. Lewandowski is going to carry Poland, though. Absolutely. As, as he does. Um, long gone are the days where he had Blazikowski with him. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, I'm going... Spain, uno, Poland, two, Sweden, three, Slovakia, four. Why do we take that back? I'm giving Slovakia third, Sweden, fourth. Dude, you just want to be a hater, man. Yeah, sometimes, you know, you got to bring some hate in. It's an international game, baby. You know what I'm saying? So, no, I don't get what you're saying. Sometimes you got to. And with that being said, it's the group of death now. Hungary, Portugal, France, and Germany. You have two of the last World Cup winners, and you have the most recent European Cup champions. And Ooh. you have Hungary, a historical giant in Europe, <laughs> but has since fell off a bit. And you have Hungary, yep. Yeah. <laughs> These games are going to be split between Munich and Budapest with Germany playing all their games at the Allianz. Lucky then. Where do we begin? Uh, I think we should begin with Germany's chances, uh, especially with all the news. Obviously, Ronnie, as you and I know, Yogi Lowe's swan song here is going to be this tournament. He's called up the boys that he's been hating on for quite some time. Yes. But I don't know why you wait till the very end to do it. It's kind of like <laughs> what's going on with France with Karim Benzema. Right. Um, you bring back Thomas Muller and Max mm-hmm. Hummels. Thomas Muller is very important for Germany up top. Um, like I said earlier when we were talking about whether or not he should be back and how he well he's been playing for Bayern, he does everything he needs to up top. He's a good assist, man. If he needs to drop back, he will. Provides assist to Robert Lewandowski. But, yes, I feel that this was a long time coming. It should have never even happened. 
but here we are. Yep. You could um, argue that this can this that could be the reason one of the reasons why Yogi Love is in this position now where he's headed out out the door after this tournament. Um, for real. But with that being said, they do, um Real Madrid is represented at this tournament via Tony Cruz, Ein Fachmalupin himself. I think for me, one player to watch um on this German team, Jamal Musiala Bayern Munich, the young boy who could have played for England but said, No, nah, I'm good. I think he's got a lot of potential. He, clearly, Munich have seen it. He's played very well this season for them whenever he has featured. He's made the team. Hopefully, he gets some chances. Um, potential so, to be the best young player of the tournament at just 18. Absolutely. Obviously, and also being helped by the fact that a lot of a lot of good young players seem to be just getting injured for some reason. You think of, in this exact same group, Dominic Sobozai of Hungary, said to miss out due to injury. I think he was another one to watch. But sticking with Germany, yeah, yeah Jamal... Man. Jamal Musiala looks good. Uh, I'd like to see what he's got going on. But Germany it looks kind of a uh, uh, diet, if you will, at the striker category. We've got Timo Werner, obviously Champions League winner. Serge Gnabry is there. When he's healthy, he scores goals and punches. And Kevin Volan still playing for Germany while he's over there in Monaco, <laughs> not paying any taxes. Um, so I think that's where it'll be. I guess the most important thing for them, can they get the goals in the back of the net? Clearly, their recent showings have shown the opposite. But we'll see if Thomas Müller can work his magic as he does when he wears that shirt for Die Mannschaft. I want to see Ilkay Gundogan reproduce what he's been able to do at City to help them win the league here in mm. Germany. I don't have mm -hmm. doubts, but I want to see it. And I feel like at this point, the way Germany has been getting heat especially after the crash out of the World Cup, he has to. Yeah, and they've got, I would say they've got a bunch of pressure on them. I mean, especially being in this intense group, especially after having played like hot-ass garbage since since winning the World Cup, honestly. Um, and then also, especially because Yogi Mlov is leaving. So, you know, a lot there on their plate. Let's see if they can recreate. France, this team looks like they're primed to win the Euros. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. <laughs> Big facts. And if they do, it would literally be a repeat of when they won the World Cup in '98, winning the World, winning the Euros in 2000. The very next Euros, they won the World Cup in '18. They'll probably they're shaped to win the very next Euros. Um, again, France stacked from top to bottom. It seems. And then there's Musa Sissoko. <laughs> But there's, there's something about France Musa Sissoko that's different from Tottenham Hotspur Musa Sissoko. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's the blue. Their defense, they have a shit ton of defenders ranging from Benjamin Pavard to Rafael Veran, Lucas Hernandez. First name, Presno, last name. Oh, uh, don't do it. Don't do it to me. Oh, come on now. <clears throat> it's my time to shine. Kimbe Kimpembe. Kimpembe. Got him. Hey, Kimpembe. Only one and a half takes, sorry. And then you go into their midfield. Not as many midfielders as defenders, but you do have talented mids. Paul Pogba, specifically. Um, Thomas Lehmann. You mentioned Sissoko. Kingsley Coman's also in the midfield. Um, Arden Hradio, but headline the midfield. We spoke about him a lot last week. N'Golo Kante. Don't get me on the rest. I don't know that. 
Um, <laughs> me neither. I was going to stop right there. <laughs> and then on top, you have Griezmann. You have Mbappe. You have Karim Benzema. You also have Wizem Ben Yedder of Monaco. Hopefully does get some playing time. We'll see how things go. Um, You also have Olivier Giroud, who in recent games for France, he scores his goals. He helps France. He carries France when needed. Yeah. More often than not, too. Yeah, absolutely. If there's a, I mean, aside from N'Golo Kante, this guy who, who does his job, it's Olivier Giroud. He's not exceptional. He's not terrible. He does his job. And he puts balls in the back of the net. Goal cards aren't always pretty, but they got the job done. <laughs> sure enough. Um, who do you think is France's key player uh, in order to, you know, uh, do a repeat of France 98-2000? N'Golo Kante. Yeah, the, the big man himself, uh, Mr. Uh, employee of the Month, if you will. Get it done. Who's doing it better than me? Cl- clocks in early and leaves late and doesn't miss a beat or a step. Uh, I think I agree with you there. I think for me, I'm going to go for one more guy. Hopefully he gets some chances to play. But Jules Koundé uh, you know, has shown himself to be one of the best defenders in the world. Um, at Sevilla, let's see how long he stays there. Um, but I think he'll be big for them if he even gets a chance, to be honest, which I, I hope he does because he looks really good. I'd like to see him play. Very good on the ball, uh, very alert, just reads the game very well. Yeah, Conte's the man. He might, they might not have too much work to do because Conte's going to be cleaning, clean, cleaning it up for them in the midfield. Hell yeah. We have to talk about the current European champions coached by Fernando Santos and captain by Cristiano Ronaldo, who it could be very possible, breaks the international goal-scoring record set by Ali Dai of Iran. If, uh, Ronaldo does what he does, maybe a little bit more than he did this season at Juventus, which I, I believe he will. Uh, yeah, very possible, as you said. Go ahead, Ronnie. Sorry to cut you off. No, 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 you're good. Um, But Portugal, we talk about France being stacked. Portugal is stacked. No problems between the sticks. That's all Rui Patricios. In the back, you have the most recent Premier League player of the year and the Football Writers Player of the Year in England, Ruben Diaz. You have Rafael Guerrero. You have Jao Cancelo. You have Pepe, who is the oldest player in the tournament at 38 years old. Yep, and doing the reverse uh, hairline, starting bald and then just coming back full. You in the... (laughs) He's due for some type of booking. Like you could, <laughs> you could bet on that. You could bet money on that. You're not gonna win much because everyone and their mom is betting on that. Guaranteed. I mean, will it happen in the first game? Probably. Will it happen sometime during the tournament? Definitely. <laughs> in the mid, you have Jao Moutinho of Wolves, which is basically the Portuguese national team breeding ground. You have Bruno <laughs> Fernandes. <laughs> you have Bruno Fernandes. Renato Sanchez had a rebirth at Lille, just winning um, Legon. Speaking of Wolves, Ruben Neves, many others as well. And then up top, again, we mentioned Cristiano Ronaldo, goal-scoring goat in a couple of goals. You have Andres Silva, who he was pushing to get Frankfurt into the Champions League, unfortunately settled for the Europa League, and two youngins as well, Yao Felix, and Diogo Jota, who made a name for himself at Liverpool if he hadn't already at Wolves. 
Portugal, man, they are scary. What a team. And it's funny to think about the team that won the Euros way a couple of years back over France. Um, you know, this team is, looks to be miles better than that team. All those young guys are a bit more grown, have a bit more experience. Cristiano Ronaldo is still Cristiano Ronaldo. And they really are looking, making themselves uh, known, you know, across Europe as, as a powerhouse and across the world as well. They're, I mean, they've got great players from the defense in the midfield and of course that attack um who's the key for these guys do you think ronnie uh, again everyone's gonna have to play their ronaldo's always gonna be the key for them but this is the type of tournament where bernardo silva might go have to step it up for portugal yeah i think um i'm gonna i'll go uh draw felix who I th i'm a big fan of i, I like i like his game I great player hopefully uh, he can find the back of the net more often Right, and I think luckily for him, he's not playing in the Diego Simeone style, obviously, while he's at Portugal, so he'll be much closer to the 18-yard box. Um, so hopefully, um, you know, he'll be able to chance to influence the game a bit better offensively. And like I said about Ilkay Gundogan, I would like to see Ruben Diaz replicate his star season at Man City with the national team, which, again, I feel like he would. Really, really good team. Uh, it's funny how good you mentioned this team because that team in 2016 was good, but if it were the 16-team format like it was in years past, Portugal wouldn't have even made out the group. <laughs> yeah. They Look finished in third behind Iceland and Hungary. So I have to say that they learned from that. There wasn't their best European championship despite winning it, but this team right here, oh, scary if you're anyone in Group H. To see it just makes you that much more excited to see this group in action. Group F, the group of death, and Hungary. Let's talk about Hungary. Um, let's not disrespect them completely. <laughs> we mentioned uh, the young boy Dominic Sabozai uh, over at RB Leipzig, who is injured. The young uh, player with plenty of potential um, won't be playing. And that was one I think that I was looking forward to seeing. But I was too. But. Um... It seems like if their main guys aren't coming from RB Leipzig, because you also have Willie Orban, yeah. they also have Galassi in between the sticks, and they got quite a few players from Ferenc Varos. Yeah. Um, they also have some championship MLS and uh, Eastern European League <laughs> thrown in there. So um, they're getting cooked. <laughs> <laughs> Man, um, hate to see it, but you know. So that being said, um, this is the group where every match, even the games where Hungary is involved, you have to gather around the tullies for because every single one of these games can affect this group, and they're all pretty much enticing. Even Germany versus Hungary, a throwback matchup of two rivals. Yeah, I, sh I should mention, um, and I think maybe this group might be the the toughest one uh, for a, th a third place team to make it out because of, there's so many good teams in here, and I mean, you'll be, you'll, there, there'll be a lot that you'll have to do in order to get those three points or even that one point. It's gonna be hard because teams are gonna cancel points from each other, and all these teams are hella strong. Um, with that being said, Germany does have an advantage playing all of their matches in Munich. We'll see, but it's really hard to pick a team that would finish in third. I'm gonna go 
Portugal wins the group. Germany comes in second. France comes in third. What? For real? I don't know, but I feel like it goes something completely different. And, you know, to be um, the contrarian here, I guess. Fair. Listen, you know, you know, I enjoy some of that, and you are braver than me. I was the contrarian in, 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 in the, the group with Spain and Sweden. So, big shout out to you. Um, all right. That being said, I'm gonna be. I'll keep it simple. Uh, I think France finishes first, Portugal second, Germany third, and we know where Hungary's finishing. If there was a place below fourth, we'd probably put them there. <laughs> I think that yeah, I will say it again. I think this group will be the group where the third place team unfortunately won't be able to make it out. You have the following teams as third place: Turkey, Russia, North Macedonia, Scotland, Slovakia, and Germany. Yep, and four of those can go through. Yes. Who are those four for you? Uh, for Turkey, I think North Macedonia. This guy wants a Cinderella story. Yes, sir. You gotta love it. So Turkey, North Macedonia. I'd love for it to be Scotland. And finally... You have Russia, Slovakia, and Germany left. It's not gonna be Germany. So you're ruling them out. It's Russia and Slovakia. I guess I'm going Russia. <laughs> I'm Russia. Iron Curtain. The winners of the third place teams, rather, of group A, B, C, and D. All right, for me, my third place teams are Wales, Russia, Austria, Croatia, Poland, and France. Wales, Poland, and France all go through. Uh, Russia. Hey, welcome to the Iron Curtain. So <laughs> that means I have Austria and Croatia missing the cut. Yep. Um, we'll have a bracket on our instant grams, but with those 16 teams, who wins? No, that's the question, man. Uh, off rip, I think Belgium come up short again. I want to pick a dark horse so bad, but this season or this this year looks like the year where the best teams are just too good. Man, it was France and Portugal mainly. Belgium also look really good. Uh, England, I think, may have a shot, but eh. Now, funny thing you mentioned England. I noticed this. Um, if England win the group, which you don't have them, but I do, if they were to win the European Championship, they would only leave London once, and that would be for the quarterfinal. Every game other than that, if they make it through to the final, would be at Wembley. They better hope they win that group. They, they got to take every uh, advantage that they can. Um, and that certainly might be one for them, but yeah, I'd uh, love to be of course. Um, I want to be the, uh, the hot take guy here, but I'm going to go France. And if they lose, it'll be an interesting surprise. Yeah. As for myself, for the first time since the Spanish did it in 08, 12, will we have a repeat champion? Mm. For the fourth straight Euros, the cup stays at the Iberian Peninsula. Portugal will win the final. Portugal, okay. And this is all coming after the heartbreak of losing in the final to Greece in 04. Fair. Fair enough. I mean, yeah, the, the, the big, the best teams in this tournament just look too good to get upset this, uh, this time around. But we shall see. Yes, sir. Again, we'll break down all our brackets and stuff like that for you. 
on the instant gram before we end up this podcast let's talk about the other major tournament that's going to start hopefully by the next time we pod copa america now this tournament it was supposed to be co-hosted by colombia and argentina colombia pulled out after their ongoing protests against their president the next day argentina suspended all football activity 10 days later they were removed as hosts themselves with brazil being named the host after a gentleman's agreement with Carnival <laughs> and leader Jair Bolsonaro. The opening match will be in Brasilia, featuring Brazil and Venezuela. The final will be at the Maracanã. This was supposedly split up between zones. Zone A, which is the south. Zone B, which is the north. And Australia and Qatar was also supposed to be invited. But they pulled out because they're in the middle of World Cup qualifiers around this time. Um, long-winded stuff aside, Group A features Argentina, Bolivia, Uruguay, Chile, Paraguay. Group B features Brazil, Colombia, Venezuela, Ecuador, and Peru. That's five teams in each group. Top four advance to the quarterfinals. LV, talk to me about Copa America. The Copa that may have never been, uh, the Copa that looks like it. Might maybe shouldn't have been. Uh, I might still not. <laughs> there you go. And I think that's everything you need to say about uh, Copa America here. Uh, I will say one positive note: we did see after a, a historic beef between uh, Medel of Chile and Lionel Messi of Argentina, we saw them at a recent World Cup qualifier, where you saw them swapping jerseys and exchanging pleasantries. Always nice to see. Um, Kiss and make up, y'all. They're actually going to be playing each other on the second day of Copa America. Yeah. Now, I think this is the one here. I mean, Lionel Messi, you got to get something. Those folks that are Cristiano Ronaldo fans are, have been giving it to you uh, because you can't win an international tournament, especially when you play Chile in a final for some reason. Uh, but, yeah, I think the mess of it all, we saw the Brazilian president, Bolsonaro, all 10 captains of each team in this tournament refused to be present at a meeting that he was going to be at with the Conan president. So the tournament's is going to start in hot water. And I mean, hopefully it doesn't drag on onto the pitch if they even make it there. Lots of, lots to look forward to, or uh, I guess be suspenseful of, but we shall see what happens there. Hopefully the tournament does go on. And if it does, group A looks to be a hard group because you have Argentina, you have Chile and you have Uruguay. And those three teams are staples in Comenbol. Um, Again, you mentioned Argentina-Chile. Past Copa America finals featured the two of them. Uruguay is someone you can't discount, even though they do have Luis Suarez, who is a bit chubby around the waist. But <laughs> at the same time, won La Liga with Atlético de Madrid. <laughs> Bolivia and Paraguay could also offer up a draw, take away points from the big boys. Yeah, I mean, uh, one thing on uh, Luis Suarez, it's okay gaining some weight around the waist, but shorts are elastic, so he'll be okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and then Group B, Brazil, Colombia, Venezuela, Ecuador, and Peru. Peru coming into this have been struggling, especially in World Cup qualifiers. Colombia, there's no James Rodriguez. Brazil's going to win that group. 
I think Brazil do look primed to, to win that group. A lot of their players are in probably the best form I've seen them in a while. Neymar is obviously playing incredibly. Casemiro, although done up by Chelsea's N'Golo Kante, still looks good as, as per usual. Um, now we will see. I think the main thing for me, aside from Neymar, is in their attack uh, up top. Who will they have and who will deliver for them? Will it be, will, will it be Bobby Big T or will it be Gabriel Jesus, a.k.a. Wordface? Who knows? You said it. Argentina needs to win something. I'm going to go for that Cinderella story. Fair. Uh, I was going to take that pick as well. I was think, considering it, but... You can. Uh, you know what? Yeah. Let's... What would you say earlier in the podcast? Uh, we, we love uh, when, uh, when we have an agreement there. So, yeah. I'm rocking with you, with you Ronnie, and I'm rocking with Argentina. Let's it would be Argentina's do. first Copa America and major trophy since 1993. Jeez. It's time. I think Argentina will win this competition. Messi will finally have an international trophy of importance. Yeah, but according to your predictions, Ronaldo will have two at that point. Because I could already hear the Twitter fingers seven. Oh, Ronaldo has two major trophies. Actually, three major trophies with the international team. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. Nations League. <laughs> Messi only has one. I'm, I don't want to hear it. Um, Messi wins one, Argentina wins Copa America in Rio de Janeiro, where the last time they played a final there, they lost the World Cup final to Germany in 2014. Oof. Hopefully it's not a bad omen like uh, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. That's my pick. I'm sticking to it. Um, LV, quick shouts to you for winning the Predictions Cup, and you actually got to lift it in all of its glory. It's the biggest little cup out there. It, yo, you know what, Ronnie? Well said. <laughs> well said. The biggest little cup out there. You 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 did the damn thing, but um Spencer and I were coming for that next year. And Ooh-wee. with that being said, we've previewed the European Championship. We previewed Copa America as best we could. We can't wait to see how these tournaments will play out. Until then, we have one more thing to do before we sign out. And if you guys don't know, now you know LV, it's that time. Oh, you talking about BS of the week time, huh? I am. I am. All right. Well, you know what? Let me go first because mine is not necessarily too funny. It is some some dumb ass shit. But, uh, yeah, let me get right to it. England. Over the past week, as we know, I've been playing friendlies, gearing up for the European Championships, which they have a slight chance of doing well at. Who knows? We'll see what happens. They played Romania at a friendly at Riverside Stadium. Uh, for those who know, that's where Middlesbrough played. I think I guess the BS comes right from the jump where England as a team whistleblows, and we've seen it time and time again in the Premier League this season. They take the knee, and as soon as they do, the England faithful, who seem like some scumbags at this point, after having not seen their team play for quite some time, went ahead and booed their national team's players. You hate to see it at this point. Still going on. And yeah, BS of the week to the England fans. Waited all that time just to watch their players and give them a nice little boo. Boo to racism. And that's my BS of the week, Ronnie. Go ahead. Damn it, man. It's crazy how they'll boo you for taking a stand for something, but they'll cheer you for on-field success. Like, that's all you're good for. Yep. I think Kevin Durant said it best. Hey, man, we're humans too, fam. <laughs> I mean, it's true. But apparently, they, they're just entertainment products. But whatever. I admittedly had numerous things that I could call BS of the week, but I wanted to limit it to a couple. 
before Argentina and Chile played their World Cup qualifier, Chile were training and a drone popped up. Oh, Bill Belichick? <laughs> That's what they thought. They thought it was a spy cam. So the drone is flying over their um, training ground. To get the drone away, they sent up a drone of their own, the Chileans did. And the two drones clashed, and both drones, you know, broke. We find out that the initial drone came from, not the Argentines, but it was from an electrical company called Enel, as they were checking streetlights in the area. What? (laughs) Or so they want you to think that. No, I'm just kidding. That's nuts. (laughs) So, (laughs) BS of the Week comes at miscommunication. Um, This probably could have been communicated to the Chilean Federation, who they have since labeled this an accident. But when you send up a drone and fuck up another drone, is it really? But no, they should have communicated that this was going on. And yeah, um, if you see a drone, just know that it's coming from us doing some street work. Plain and simple. Could have just done that. But no. BS of the week number two. I'm going to go to this Twitter spat that I saw. Oh, um, I think I know where you're going with this one. <laughs> some guy who apparently is a Manchester City stan whose surname was MCFC2 underscore Luke, coming for AFC double underscore a thief, where Man City guy claims that Arsenal is a small club. Arsenal fan says that's ironic. City fan is like, how are we a small club? We're going to win the Champions League. The guy was like, oh, you were only founded in 2011. Man City were, you were a small club before then. Then the Man City fan was like, have you ever heard of Colin Bell? Rest in peace. And Mike Summerby. And then the Arsenal fan was like, you only had two legends before 2009. You also forgot to mention Jacob Marley, one of your iconic right backs. You don't even know him. Fucking plastic. Okay, I did not know you were going in that direction, but goddamn, that's hilarious. <laughs> Man City Luke says, I only mentioned our most iconic legends. Of course I know Jacob. BS of the Week comes in the next reply from a thief. Jacob doesn't even exist, you fucking plastic. Sam. <laughs> Got him. <laughs> Got him. <laughs> that alleged fan has since either switched his username or deactivated Twitter. And for good reason. Whew. BS of the Week goes to Luke, Man City supporter. Um, oh man, Jacob Marley, that's a good one. <laughs> and that is my BS of the week. Fair. And that being said, Ronnie, lot to look forward to in the coming week: European Championships, Copa America, asterisk because it might not happen, but also it might. All that being said, Jacob Marley's aside, you want to go ahead and sign us off and sign J- Jacob Marley off as well. Yeah. We'll come back next week for episode 45 with our thoughts on the first few matches of the European Championships upcoming. Copa America as well if it goes on. For the good brother LV, Spencer, and Mr. Marley, I go by the name of Ronnie. (laughs) We'll see you then. Stay strong, be brave. Adios, mi gente. Woo! Euro 2021. Come on.
Amerika. On the way.